Learn from Wizards of Marketing. I loved this review. Authentic Avenue is a magnificent platform frequently visited by the most successful marketing gurus and brand advocates. It's a great place to learn from the masters of their seas. Great job, Adam. Wow. Well, Manish K795, thank you so much for that review. And if you, the listener, have one yourself, head on over to Apple Podcasts, throw it in there, and I'll read it right at the top of the show. Okay, on with this one. Normally, I tease out these episodes with a little kitschy sound at the top, but today's seemed a little disingenuous for that, and that's because I talk to chief executives, founders, and marketers a lot about today's topic, Gen Z, and the importance of capturing their perspective in their purchases. But admittedly, I haven't really talked to Gen Z about it, at least not here. That changes now on today's Authentic Avenue. Juve Consulting, the firm that knows you need Gen Z more than you know, and they can help with it. Ziad Ahmed is their fearless founder who operates the business whilst being a full-time student at Yale. His accomplishments have landed him on Forbes lists and in the boardrooms of some of the highest profile brands out there to serve as a messenger for the youngest generation in the economy. Today, Ziad serves as the messenger to me and lets me in on the way Gen Z is best marketed too. So reminisce on your own youth and enjoy as I get real with Juve Consulting and Ziad Ahmed. Something which I know well from almost everybody that I have on this show is that brands care deeply about being at the center of culture. But here's the other thing. A lot of the people that make up those brands aren't part of that center of culture in reality. That's why I brought somebody on the show today who actually is, knows about it, and preaches it. I have Ziad Ahmed from Juve Consulting with us. Very happy to have him. Ziad, how are you doing first off? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, for people who know you, your story is well documented. And for those who don't, you could easily go over to Forbes and other articles uh, like the recent one that came out in Vice about your story, about how you're going to take over the world. But why don't you tell me very upfront, why'd you start Juve? What is Juve, by the way? Well, first of all, you're far too kind, and I don't know about all of that, but I do know that I've been extraordinarily lucky and privileged in my journey, and I'm really thrilled to have opportunities like this one to chat with you. Um, but when I think about, you know, why did I start Juve, right, and how did I end up here right now talking to you? What I think about is, you know, growing up as an American Muslim, as a progressive, as a young person, as a Gen Zer, and, and looking at a world where I think so much is wrong, right, and so much isn't working. And, you know, I started a nonprofit basically when I was in eighth grade called Redefy, which is a group of young people that create resources and information to make communities and schools more equitable and, equitable and inclusive. And I started that because I saw in my hallways how people were being othered and marginalized, right, and stereotyped. And I wanted to do something about it by right? telling our stories, right, and creating infrastructure for us to talk about these things that matter to us. And sort of through that, I found myself in rooms that I never could have imagined, right, meeting with industry leaders and politicians and whatnot. And through that, found out that there were youth experts, right, consulting on Gen Z, and that so often people were talking about us, but not to us. And so my junior year of high school, I got together with two friends and said, enough, like, no, right? Like, if people want to talk about Gen Z, they should talk to Gen Z. And they should talk to many of us in real time, because I think the world looks better when diverse young people have a seat at the table. And so that's what I wanted to create. And so we exist to empower young people. And four and a half years later, it's been a whirlwind experience that we're still 
anchored in that same mission and drive and goal to empower more young people. And I say that from a position of privilege insofar as it's my job to spend my privilege to hopefully empower and inspire more young people um, to have our voices heard in every conversation possible because I think we need to because so much needs to change. So it sounds like your mission is to make sure that uh, brands or, or anybody really doesn't just talk about you, they talk to you. You want your voice to be heard. I get that. I want to talk a little bit about the very beginning of this journey because yeah. you and I both know, let's be real, there's a difference between having your voice heard and having your voice listened to and acted mm. upon. And I'm yeah. sure that at the very beginning of your journey, it could have been daunting to talk to any brand with that yeah. inkling in the back of your head that they could just go back to their boardroom after talking to you and say, okay, that was great. Here's some insight, but what are we really mm. going to do? We've got to make sales next quarter. So how uh, do you believe through this, you've been able to change the discussion from merely being heard to actually being listened to? So look, obviously, I started really young, right? We started, I started group consulting when I was a junior in high school. And it goes without saying that, of course, people doubted us because of our age, because we're people of color, you know, because of all of these things. And there were many moments where I felt that way that you just outlined. The people were like, okay, these kids are smart, they're passionate, but uh, they don't get business, right? And we're not really going to listen to them. And, you know, four and a half years later, I still feel that way sometimes, but far less often. And the way that I think I sort of overcome that hurdle is by being ourselves, right? Being so good and so unapologetic and so genuine in who we are and what we believe that we refuse to be ignored, right? And I think that's what Gen Z is all about in so many ways that, you know, the first time that we say things, adults often don't listen. But when we are loud and when we are passionate and when we are genuine and when we repeat that over and over and over again, it becomes a lot harder to ignore us. And I think beyond that, you know, one way that I believe you know, this world can hopefully change in the business world, especially, you know, where I spend a lot of my time and where I think needs so much change. The business world needs so much change right now is the way that we've been able, I think, to be taken more seriously and to make more impact so that people aren't just saying, oh, you're smart, but oh, let's do that is by building deep relationships so that people don't just know our pitch, but they know our hearts and our stories and our souls and our lives and our experiences, because it's a lot harder to say no, right? You, you know, we don't think that insight is good and a lot and something else to say, no, we don't believe your story, right? And we don't think your truth is important. And so we believe in speaking truth to power. And I think it's a lot more uncomfortable and difficult for brands to say, we're not going to hear your truth, right? Um, and so that's what we try to do. And we don't, so don't just work with brands. We work with nonprofits and campaigns and all sorts of initiatives trying to just center diverse young voices in every possible conversation and way and to do research and strategy and implementation around empowering more young people and around doing business and around creating differently. Um, because I think this world does need so much change right now. And so that just really centers me in, in, in my work and makes me feel fulfilled that we can keep getting to do that right as often. And, um, as boldly and as bravely as possible. Uh, and it's certainly been a journey and a roller coaster of highs and lows and yeses and nos, but it got us here. And I'm really, really grateful and proud of that. And listeners, if you're curious about learning about all the things that Juve does, there's an easy website for that, juveconsulting.com. We'll put that in the notes at the end of the show. But Ziad, let me ask you something else, because this attitude, this fresh face to the market, to the economy that brands should not only hear, but should listen to, well, that reminds me of something from my own personal experience, and it's the way that I felt when I was, uh, I guess, of the newest generation. Now, I am not part of Gen Z. I believe I'm on the tail end of millennial. I'm 28. So when I was an adolescent, it was the mid-2000s. 
So in the mid-2000s, of course, there was a great deal of, we want to be heard, we want to speak up, we refuse to be, uh, we refuse to be um, ignored, that, that sort of thing. But there were a lot of different tools and ways about going that, about that. The idea of being apologetic was linked to the idea of rebelling, and punk was very big in sort of pop and culture, and the way that the way that uh, people expressed themselves, which was just different, was that which was cu- counter to culture. But these days, things have changed a little bit, maybe not in that spirit, but certainly in the vehicles through which that communication is made. So I'm curious from your perspective, what makes Gen Z as the newest generation different from other generations as their respective newest? Yeah, so I, I get this question a lot, you know, and I hear from older folks, you know, you know, what you're saying is true. Gen Z is challenging the status quo and asking hard questions and demanding change. But look, so did we when we were young. And I say, absolutely. Right. And we're following in the footsteps of those who came before us, who tried to do things different. Right. And who tried to dream bigger and to think louder. But what's different about Gen Z is the tools that we have access to, right? It takes one tweet to bring down Fire Festival. It does not take Kent State for us to be heard, right? With a click of a button, we can start an international conversation that shifts the discourse on a political issue. That is not a small power. That is a vast and profound power because the Gen Z spends so much time on our multimedia platforms and is creating content at an alarming rate. That means that the conversation is constantly shifting because of Gen Z's voice, because of our perspective, because of our diversity of thought, because of our passion, because of the hopes and dreams that we have for our tomorrow. I think every young generation has rebelled and asked for more and asked for better, but we're actually getting to see that happen in our lifetime in real time because of the digital tools that we have access to. Social media for us is not just a tool, it is a native language right? It is something that we are native in. Millennials were digital natives. We are social media natives, right? When I think about social media, I'm not thinking about it as a tool to update my friends about my life as millennials may. It's just another language that I speak much like English. It has the capacity to hurt, to empower, to build community, to divide. It is just like the words that I am speaking right now. It is something that is in you cannot divorce from my reality, right? It is intrinsic to my experience. And that is so fluid and permeable, right? Across all the moments that I've lived, um, but ever present, right? And I think that power that social media has that has completely reshaped how society functions and how the world moves largely because of how Gen Z has pushed us, I think has given us tremendous power to make shifts that were for a long time seemed to be impossible Um, for young people to actually make, but we're doing it, right? And we're seeing March for Our Lives and we are seeing young people win elections and we are seeing young people build movements and we are seeing young people build successful businesses. And, you know, to your earlier point, you know, how do people take us seriously? You know, I think at the beginning they were like, oh, you know, you're cute, right? And, 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 And whatnot, but, you know, you don't know business. Well, actually I do, right? I have run a profitable business with zero dollars of investment for four and a half years while staying true to my values and my integrity and while still being a part of things that I really believe in that will hopefully push tomorrow forward. And by trying to build a company that's not just a company, that's also a community. And so I think it is possible um, for Gen Z to be able to say that, right? Because we've done it, right? There's so many of us who have started things successfully and who can say to adults, no, we get it. We've done it. We're doing it just like you are. So we need to work together towards these broad goals um, because the time is now and it must be now. Do you still get that shrug off these days from brands or maybe if it happens less, do you still see it at all where people see your efforts as novel but 
cute uh, to put your word on it. I mean, I, I can't imagine any brand like behaving in that way, but I'm not going to rule it out. I mean, ha- do you still see that as there? And I'm guess I'm really asking, is there still yeah. work to be done here? I mean, yes and no. I don't, I don't know that people, I don't know that I'm cute anymore. If I was ever cute, actually, but you know, like I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm 21. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older now and maybe come across as such. So I don't know if it's the same sentiment exactly, but certainly there's this idea that like, oh, you know, what you're doing is great, but our regular agency of record got us covered. Don't you worry, you know, or, um, you know, it, it, what you're doing is great, but you know, we don't think Gen Z actually cares about these issues that much. We think that like you're just speaking from a very particular perspective. And I'm like, no, I have the data in front of me. I have a network of 3,000 plus young people. And I have a team of 100, you know, young people from around the world that actually co-create products, campaigns and ideas with my clients. And so this, this isn't just about my voice. Right? It's about many of our voices coming together and being heard. And I, you know, I, there's definitely, I think, a resistance to me being right. Right. I don't know that. I Why? Why, why would there be? I mean, these people are trying to sell to the largest and because, uh, quickest to buy generation out there. Why the hell would they not listen to you? Because I'm not concerned about their purchasing. Right. Like I. Yes. You know, we work with brands and certainly, uh, you know, we, we work on marketing campaigns that, you know, launch certain products and whatnot. But our ethos as a brand is that just because your bottom line is doing well does not mean you're doing well as a business. Right. And I push our clients and those who come into contact with us to think far beyond Gen Z as a potential consumer block. We are a human block that necessitates listening to whether or not we buy your product and that demands resources and empowerment right now because we're hurting and we're suffering and you have platform and privilege to give and to spend. Right. And so I think we're making these brands uncomfortable because we're saying that the way that you've thought about business, right, that centers bottom line before all else. Right. That says that thinks of people only in terms of their dollars and not in terms of their humanity is wrong and it is exploitative and it is beneath who we are as humans, I think makes people uncomfortable. Right. And if we are right, it means that they have to do so much about their business differently. It means they have to overhaul their supply chain. It means they have to fix their pricing models. It means they have to add people of color to their board. It means they have to completely rethink how business is done. We believe in talking about politics at work. We believe in bringing our full selves to work. We believe in business looking so radically differently. And I think that makes folks uncomfortable because they're used to the norm, right? And so I think for us to be right would make a lot of people uncomfortable and displace a lot of the norms and complacency that people have learned to be comfortable with. Um, But we don't think that business as usual has worked for so many people. And we've seen that, you know, in the last eight months, you know, how many people have been suffering you know, because our systems were not built, right, to serve so many. And I think that certainly a lot of folks think that we have interesting insight to offer to the conversation, but to really follow our lead would require and does require, I think, um, a sense of, I don't know. And I think a lot of the business world is, I always know, right? It's this sense of overconfidence, this self-congratulation, you know, like, we got it. We understand Gen Z. We have the white papers. You know, we pay for the research. And it's like, but you don't know our hearts and our stories and our minds. And if you want to stay relevant, you need to listen to us, not just because you want sales tomorrow, but because you want to build something that's worth building. Right. right. And I think that that's a different way to think about business. And certainly more and more are embracing it every day. And, you know, we're growing as a business every single day. Um, and that's exciting and wonderful. But certainly people are still, I think, resistant to this idea of being wrong. Um, or that they've been wrong for so long. And, and it sucks to feel wrong, right? And I think we make people feel like, holy shit, I did not know that. And right. I don't know how to deal with that. And I don't know what to do with that information because we are sharing things, some, some things that we I agree with, some things that I don't agree with regarding how Gen Z feels about issues, regarding where we think the world is headed. And it's a lot to take in for a lot of these folks. Um, 
But I think we're moving in a direction where more and more people are willing and realizing they have to take it in because whether they like it or not, society is moving in a very different direction and one which centers purpose and people of color and diverse voices. And this idea that we are humans first, and we need to show up for each other um, with whatever we have to offer, um, wherever and however we can. And, and, and fingers crossed, we keep moving in that direction and that brands choose to be a part of that rather than an obstacle to it. Let me ask you a more tactical question here and feel free to counter me if I'm wrong. But I have had plenty of conversations uh, between this and other podcasts. I've spoken with probably 150 brands and their chief executives, some of the biggest brands in the world. And all of them, if they're doing their PR teams right, will sit here or sit wherever they're at and tell me that they're incredibly purpose-driven and look at these big investments that we've made and we care about these communities. They do it a lot. And, And to be fair, quite a few of them are beginning to walk the talk. They've made yeah. these investments yeah. and you see it in a passing Twitter post. You see it on yeah. LinkedIn. You see a hell of a lot of it on LinkedIn. But when I think about, or at least stereotype, because I, I, I don't have a for you page on my TikTok profile that is that of an 18 or 21 year old. When I think of the ways that brands attempt to show Gen Z that they are relatable um, yeah. and that they are approachable, they are doing that right now at least as I can see it in the biggest, highest profile ways through things like memes and being yeah. uh, hip and, and cool and hip's not even the word yeah. you use, but like they're being like a- a- attractive in that way and getting clout. And so it's, and you know, obviously, so this started with like the Wendy's Twitter account and like other Twitter which accounts. Which is funny, now, which is really funny. Yeah, no, no, that stuff is great. It's, it's, and, and it's now, it's become this huge wave of like, if your brand doesn't have somebody who's like incredibly socially minded, you, what are you doing? You're behind. And yeah. yet it sounds like from what you were saying, these uh, people in Gen Z, you, your colleagues are looking for brands who are actually making a difference, but there seems to be a disconnect between the way they publicize to you and the way they publicize to quote unquote, the people who may be responsible for the majority of their business because they think they know who purchases. Do you see that disconnect? And if so, how can brands start to remedy that? I I absolutely see a disconnect, right? I, I, I see so many disconnects. And and to your point, I see so much self-congratulation, you know, in the marketing space because, you know, oh man, I, I see that. So every other damn post I see on LinkedIn is frankly right now, fine. Someone getting a new job. It's great. A lot of people don't have them, but others are like, well, we did this. We invested in blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and just showered and likes. And oh my God, it's great. Even for stuff that like was like, even for like events that happened like weeks ago, people be like, oh, I can't yeah. wait to tune. It's like, you're not even reading this. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. No. I, and. Look, I think that there is a lot to celebrate. I think we have made strides and we have made gains. And the business world is centering so many more values that it never has before and doing more purpose-driven marketing and telling stories that matter, you know, and leaning into politics and discomfort and, you know, doing business differently. And it's happening more and more and more than ever before. We should celebrate those things because I think they are wins. But at the end of the day, we should be focused on how much more there is to do, not what we've done, right? Right? And there is so much more to do. And I think when what Gen Z looks at, and I don't want to speak for all Gen Z, but I'm one voice out of 2 billion. But when I think about my peers and my colleagues and et cetera, like we have so many critiques of the business world, of the paradigms of power, of these systems. And I think that a lot of the business leaders that I talk to think that that's a very niche perspective in Gen Z. And it's not, right? Gen Z is really righteously angry with the world around us and how it's let us down and, and, and how people have stuck to self-congratulation and incremental change that is insufficient right? And told us to celebrate it. And we're saying no, because while you might have given a nice donation, right? Your supply chain is still, you know, 
profiting off of so many insidious things, right? And and still polluting or whatever it might be, right? And there's so much that we need to overhaul if we really want to get to a world that works for more of us or all of us, right? And I think that like, we should absolutely be giving and doing more. And, you know, us as a business, like, I'm proud of the things that we've done, you know, in the last year and, and beyond, and, you know, the money that we've given and the programs that we've implemented and, you know, how we turn up for our values. But I wouldn't spend all day being like, oh, you know, Ziad and Jupin thought they were changing the world. I don't believe that, right? I believe that we're trying to be a company that we are proud of, building a community, right, that embraces who we are and that shows up for each other. But we still have so much more to do because we all are part of a system that is so imperfect, right? And is so flawed. And we all have to be actively picking at it and trying to do things differently every day. And that, that is labor and that is hard and it is uncomfortable, but it is necessary. Right. And I think that we spend so much time, I think, often, you know, in the marketing world, just being like, oh, well, you know, we had a really diverse roster in that advertisement. Right. And, and, and congratulations. It's like, absolutely not. Who was behind the camera? Who were the storyboarders? Who were the decision makers? Who were the funders? Who was on the board? And did they know anything about the community that you're trying to serve or tell that story to? Right. Things feel forced when they are forced. And so much marketing when it comes to Gen Z is so forced and tone deaf. Because no diverse young people were included in the development of what we are now seeing, right? And so there is such a massive disconnect. And I think so much of the impact work that many of these brands are doing, some of it is great. And some of it is, you know, so misguided and, 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 and so removed from the actual organizers and activists who are at the front lines of trying to make change every single day. And I think what a lot of brands get wrong is they think that their product is the solution to the problem. Rather than this idea that what I always say is that it's not, you know, the role of the brand to reinvent the wheel in regards to impact. It's the role of brands to provide the fuel. The solutions already exist. Community organizers and activists and nonprofits and leaders and thought leaders and intellectuals know what we need to push society forward to make ch children's mental health better, right? To get us to be a more sustainable planet right? To show up for racial justice. We have solutions that work, that we know that are underfunded, under-resourced, and under-amplified. It is the role of brands to find those people and to put backing behind them with the privilege and resources that brands have to offer. And to do so not just for one advertising campaign, but to build meaningful relationships and to make it a core of who that brand is. What I always say is we've told, you know, nonprofits for so long, act more like businesses, be leaner, be meaner, be smarter right? And it's beyond time for the reverse. Every brand, every marketer in one sentence should be able to tell me why they do what they do and why they show up to work every day. And every decision that a brand or a marketer makes should be asking themselves, does this decision align with the mission that I just said I show up to work every day to do, right? We at Juve Consulting, we exist to empower young people. And so every decision that I make from hiring to which clients I decide to take on, to what campaigns we put out into the world, to how we develop our company culture, I am asking myself, does this empower or disempower young people? That does not mean I always get it right. That does not mean we don't have so much more to do to get towards our goal. But it means that's how I try to center our ethos. And what we do as a leadership team every single week is ask that question, right? I believe that all brands must be doing that methodically right? At every juncture to say, am I, why am I doing this? And, and does it serve a larger goal and mission? And when we don't have to be all things. I think a lot of brands are always scared of, you know, getting political or getting too purpose-driven because they can't, they, they can't fathom being all things. No one's asking everyone to be all things, but be something, right? Stand for something and know why you do what you do and show up for it, you know, in, in all ways. Um, because there is a disconnect right now, because frankly, there's a disconnect internally. I don't think people know why they do what they do in so many cases. 
I don't think people know what they're messaging or why they're messaging it. And I don't think that there is a real values aligned ethos that most brands out there that permeates every decision through the company. And so we feel that and we see the ramifications of that um, because things aren't genuine. Um, And so that comes across as fake because it is. You've got a lot of fervor here, obviously. You've got a strong position. You speak for those two billion. I know you're just one voice, but you're a particularly strong voice within that. That's obvious. I don't, I don't even yeah, need to I, say I don't, that. I don't want to say I speak for. I speak, I am of, right? I'm of Gen Z and I speak as a Gen Zer, and I speak as a Gen Zer who is damn proud to be young and who's damn proud to have worked with many thousands of young people. All right. Well, be, be, be that as may. Thank you for the clarification. Um, all of these observations you have seem to suggest that brands have a long way to go, but you have a business that's making sure they get there. Who's doing it particularly well or better than others right now that folks should look to? Yeah, I, I think a brand that you know we always talk about, that we always think of, is, is one that I'll keep talking about, which, which is Patagonia, right? From the get-go, they knew who they were and what they stood for. Right? They want to make a world that is more environmentally friendly and that shows up and how they market and how they message and how they send their money and how they make their product and, and everything about them. And I think it comes across as genuine because it is genuine, right? It's, it's who they are and it's how they move through the world. And I think I hope for a world where all brands are like that, where yes, they grow and, 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 and they sell product and, 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 and do what they need to do to provide the salaries for their employees and to grow as a business. I think you can do that while also being staying true to who you are, right? And, and to trying to provide some sort of, you know, good to the world and by staying true to a mission. And I think Patagonia is a great example of a brand that's done that really well. But I think there are so many new startups um, and, and, and brands as well that I think Gen Z is really gravitating towards. And we see them on our Instagram ads often and whatnot that are selling, you know, purpose-driven shoes and backpacks and whatever it might be um, that make us feel proud of our purchasing. And I think that's what a lot of people want to feel, not just Gen Z, is proud of our purchasing, right? That, it, that you know, we're proud to wear this. It says something about us and it made us feel good, right? I, I think a lot of us want that, right? Like, sell us shit that works and mean what you say. And I think Patagonia does that as do, you know, many others, but not enough. Um, but I think we're getting there and I think the tide is shifting. Um, and certainly we hope to play a role in that tide shifting because, you know, do I like business in all ways? Absolutely not, right? But do I think that it exists and it has to be so much better? Yes. And so that's the role that Juve hopes to play is by hopefully being an example of, you know, what we hope business looks like in the future and by pushing our clients to do the same. Um, but I don't know, you know, like it's, we're very far from where we need to be. And I think we always will be to a certain extent. There will always be more work to be done, um, but we are very, 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 very far from it right now in some. Helping the tide to shift, making your voice known, making this position known is something that you have just recently started doing in a uh, more uh, public uh, realm with some pretty notable folks. And I know that this is one of your personal and Jews' personal avenues to authenticity to plug my own name. But why don't you tell me about your new series behind the screenshot? Yeah. So we recently you know, started developing the screenshot which is our newsletter that we come out with every week on you know, Gen Z culture and insights and sort of what is happening with young people because we think that we have a lot to teach the world that folks don't know about right now. I and mean, we've evolved the screenshot into a whole you know, content you know, umbrella and we launched behind the screenshot just last week, which is a virtual event series. And last, you know, just this week, I talked to Amelie uh, Zober, Hawa Ibrahim, um, Sienna May Gomez and Aunt Saunders, uh, who are icons, you know, within Gen Z uh, around, you know, 
what does internet culture look like today? You know, and, and what, where do we want it to go and where is it right now? And where do brands have a place to be in that conversation? And it was a really rich conversation. We got great feedback from it. And so it's a, going to become a series called Behind the Screenshot with our next one, hopefully launching in the next two weeks. So keep an eye out. But, you know, for us, like authenticity is about championing this idea that it's not one of our voice, right? It's not my voice. It's, we want many Gen Zers to be heard in real time as often as possible in for our voices to be heard by those in the highest places of power so that they learn from diverse young people. And that shifts their decision-making and their perspective in ways that hopefully push us all forward, right? And I think to us, authenticity is just knowing who you are and showing up for it and, and trying to tell your story and, and, and to provide place for others to tell their stories, right, as often as possible, right? And Juve to me, like, yeah, we're a company, of course. But like, I, I know this sounds cheesy and gross, but like, Juve is like my community and like a family to me. And like, I mean that. Like I, I, I love my team with everything in me and I, I love the community that we're building. And every time like I'm in our Jew full team chat and we're just like bantering around about the latest current event or whatever it is, and we're on a call, my heart is full, you know, and we were on, I was on like our leadership call. We have like a once a week leadership call, you know, like 20, 25 of us or whatever it is. And I was like, uh, you know, we do a lot of bonding events. And I was like, should we do one for just the leadership, you know, rather than, you know, our typical, we like houses, you know, other typical house events. And one of our, my, you know, team members was like, I thought these were bonding events. And, you know, I was like, no, they're not. But it made me really, you know, happy, you know, that, that she, she felt that way, you know, that like these, that work can be more than just a place to do labor, right? It can be a place of, of community and transparency and, 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 and honesty. And so for us, authenticity and behind the screenshot is about, showing how differently Gen Z and, and we are thinking about the world and showing that we're not a monolith, right? We don't all agree with each other and I don't agree with my team on everything, but we are vibrant, right? And we do something to show the world, whether that be talking about the internet or politics or brand or school or whatever it might be, right? We have so many perspectives to share and they deserve to be heard. Um, and so we hope to authentically represent that however we can. So, when it comes to building a community, this is a good place to, to, to round this out. And by the way, thank you for sneaking in there your own definition of what authenticity is because I often ask people for that as yeah. well. And I want to build upon that by uh, summarizing where we've gotten to at this point in our, in our conversation today, which is that you have put together this organization, um, building upon the business acumen that you already had for years and years to help brands not just hear you, but to listen to you and to act. You've built a community of people with strong voices who yeah. may not speak for, but speak of the two billion out there in the newest uh, generation to enter, you know, I would say the economy and, and themselves really in terms of, you know, coming, coming into their own shell. And you've done this through a number of different ways, whether it's talking directly with organizations or having your own conversations like what behind the screenshot is, is building up to be. Now, there are plenty of folks who may have this vision, who emulate that journey or one of the journeys that we spoke about in the roughly half hour we've been on the line today, but maybe they don't have Mm, the keys to do it. And I don't mean the keys yeah. like the, the privilege, although many people probably don't, or uh, the, the intelligence, although some people maybe don't. I mean the hard uh, tips and advice and maybe tough love to get there. And by there, I mean to their own version of authenticity, yeah. to their personal truth. So with that huge lead up in mind, I want to round out by asking you, Ziad, 
what advice would you give to somebody who maybe hopes to fill your shoes for their own generation, but regardless, who is seeking to carve the avenues to their personal authenticity? What would you tell that person? Well, first, I'd say, I don't know if you want to be in my shoes. They're like two years old. I'm pretty battered up. Um, but, but second, I'd say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always pretty wary of giving advice, right? In so far as I know how privileged and lucky, you know, I've been in my journey and, and I would hate to give advice that's not useful or helpful to somebody who is sitting from another positionality that I don't understand, right? And I can't claim to know or understand. But what I can say is advice that I give to my younger self, right? And, 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 and advice that, you know, and, 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 and lessons, you know, perhaps that I've learned along my way, you know, regarding, you know, being authentic and, and leaning into who I, who I am and who we are. Look, I, I, I can't say that I've always loved my job as much as I do today or always felt as true to who I am as much as I do today. And I think the things that have helped me get here is, you know, it, it started really not through business. It started in Model UN, believe it or not, Model United Nations, which is a club that I ran in high school that I loved and something I still do in college to this day because yes, I'm a full-time student and I run the business full-time and I do Model UN because why not? Um, and, you know, in Model UN, I think when I first started speaking, um, I thought speaking, good speaking looked like knowing exactly what you were going to say and saying it professionally and properly, you know, not stumbling and, and really being as adult, you know, as, as possible. And I, I, I didn't do very well when I spoke like that. And this is, by the way, how I was trained. I didn't do speech and debate. I, I didn't do, uh, sorry, I did do speech and debate. I didn't do much model UN, but, uh, yeah. but you were taught to be incredibly polished because that's what yeah. we all saw on television. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think at a certain point I was like, you know, this isn't, doesn't feel like me. And so I'm just going to speak the way that I want to. And I'm going to let my arms flail and I'm going to let my voice crack. And I'm going to be unmistakably bizarre and me and make my weird metaphor jokes and, you know, dress a little bit more me and, and, and whatnot. And I started doing well in Mario UN and, and, and getting awards and, and resonating. And I realized that, you know, no matter how far I can get by being something I'm not, I don't want to, right? Like, however far I can get as me is where I want to go. And and I hope and pray that, you know, the me that I am is resonant with someone out there. I'm, I'm, you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea, but hopefully I can be someone, right? And that's enough. And I think thinking in those terms has been really helpful in my journey and, and letting my voice crack, right? And, and, and wearing t-shirts in business settings because I don't like collared shirts, right? And whatever it might be and just being as me as possible and, 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 and leaning into that has... I think been a huge part of, of my success and our success because I think when people meet me and my team, they don't feel like we're fronting, right? They feel like they're meeting real young people with real stories who are different and complicated and who don't always agree, but and and and, and who you may not like, but are certainly real people that someone likes, right? Um, and I don't know. I, I think that that's not that that isn't common in the business world. I think so often we button ourselves up and we try to pretend that. We check our politics and our identity and our idiosyncrasies at the door, but I don't believe in doing that in business and in, in, in advocacy, wherever we are. I believe in showing up as us, right? And, and and I think leaning into that, you know, through Model UN and then through work, et cetera, has been a big part of my journey and something that I hope more of us do because I think we all like feeling like we really got to know someone, right? And that it wasn't just a stilted business conversation, but a meaningful dialogue with laughter and love and we know, you know, we rarely remember 
what people say. We remember what people, how people made us feel. I, I believe anyway, right? Like a good speech, a good book, you know, a good song is good because it made us cry or laugh or feel something that we haven't felt in a long time. And so I'm really interested in a world where more of us lean into trying to make each other feel, right? Rather than trying to make each other act. Um, and I don't know. I, I just I just hope for more of that, I guess. Listeners, allow me to editorialize for a moment because something that Ziad has said here has struck a chord with me and maybe it will strike a chord with you as well. Now, as I said, I didn't do model UN. I did speech and debate, but the same practice was preached, which is that you must be polished and everything that you do must come to a neat and clean uh, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. I went through and I practiced that and it yeah. rewarded me. Part of the reason I'm able to do these podcasts today and the reason that brands give me the light of day is because I know how to speak in that way. But I find that it leads in many times to conversations which are, I don't want to say puff pieces, but highly complimentary regardless of the context to anybody that I bring on. A polite conversation. Not to Mm -hmm. say I'm not supposed to be polite, but overly polite. Not asking the hard questions that I actually have in my head. So here's the advice that I would add to you, the listener. My guess is that there may be other things that you see or you perceive which are not related in ways of speaking, ways of having conversation, but anything else where you believe that what is generally preached is different from the way that you would prefer to do things. My advice would be to not immediately subscribe to that which is preached. In some cases, it works. In many cases, it doesn't work as well as you think. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Uh, uh, Just because it works doesn't mean it's working for others. It doesn't mean it's working to get us to where we need to be, right? Totally. What working even means, I think it's such a fraught concept because we've been, I think, raised to your point to think that like life is linear and there's a beginning and middle and end, but it's not, right? It's a roller coaster and it's messy and it's complicated and fraught. And we've been taught, you know, that the business world should leave up politics and be about niceties and politeness. But is it polite to deny, to, to deny me the humanity of talking about the policies, right, that impact my life and my family's life and my friend's life every single day? Is that polite? Right. And, and challenging these norms of what it means to be polite, what it means to be polished. Right. I, I, I think that we have to challenge these things because I think they've let, left so many of us behind and made so many of us feel unheard. And we're seeing that and hearing that. And I think, you know, we we all, I think, in some ways or another, we're taught, you know, this, you know, speak polished and, and, and all of these things. But I, I don't think any of us have ever felt the closest or best to our best selves, you know, to the closest to our best selves by our, when we're our most polished selves. You know, I think it's when we do, you know, break character for a moment, right? And and say, you know, enough is enough and, and, and we need to challenge and, and be better and, and think bolder. And I think we're on our way. I hope we're on our way. I hope I'm on my way. I know I have a lot more to do and to grow and I don't fully feel as authentic as I want to be. I, I, I struggle with how to use my social media to tell my story. And, you know, I... I don't yet feel comfortable call, crying on a podcast, but maybe one day, uh, you know, and, 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 and maybe I one day if Guy Raz hits you up for how I built this, then you'll cry. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, for right now, I'm I'm trying, you know, to challenge these norms that I was taught and to lean more into my voice and into what I believe in, in a responsible way. But I, I know I have a lot more to learn and to grow. And so I guess I hope for a world where we can we, we can grow or we can mess up. 
in front of each other and, and, and to be met with compassion. Um, but we can talk about hard things and ask hard questions because I, I think we need to. I think that attitude is timeless. So for those who listen to this, I'll close with this. Uh, according to the demographics that I get, about a third of you are in the CXO position. And that means that uh, you probably come up through this polished world and you've been rewarded for it. I would encourage you to instill this spirit in those who you lead and even look to some of your peers. I think in the marketing world of folks like Mayor Gupta over at Gannett, I think about Marcel Marcandes, who came on this show from Anheuser-Busch. I think about Fernando Machado from Restaurant Brands. And the way that they speak, they don't necessarily care what you think. They are bold, they are out there, and they are winning because of it. If you are in the Gen Z cohort, of which there are less of you listening to this, my hope is that there will be more of you in time. (laughs) Students would be brand builders and founders. Go on your For You page. I do it all the time. I was doing it just before I went into this interview. You see people that have millions of followers. Are they people that look polished? I mean, look at somebody like who was just on the first edition of Behind the Screenshot in CNMA, somebody who has absolutely exploded recently. Did she explode because she did something that was super buttoned up and polished? Hell no. No, the opposite, the exact opposite. The exact opposite happened. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's a timeless spirit and advice which... I'm sure in your own little way, anybody listening to this, you can find it. It doesn't have to be as big as like, yeah, I'm going to be bold and brash today, but maybe I'm you sure can be, maybe you can be, maybe you can, but I'm sure it's, it, you don't have to, if you, if you look at it as a big mountain like that, you might never start the climb. So think about mm. the rocks and pebbles that you can, you can scramble <laughs> before you think about that. And my guess is that metaphor. you'll find one of both. Yeah. I like a good metaphor too. Um, well, uh, yeah, this has been an incredibly good conversation. We ran a little bit longer than we normally do. That's all right. Because, uh, I think we got to a really nice place at the end there, and I'm glad that you are standing for or standing amongst those voices that you do. I'm glad that brands are listening to you more as opposed to just hearing your generation, and I hope that more take the Patagonia path. But for now, it's been great to get my own little screenshot of your insight and your perspective, so I'll sign off here and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. I could have spoken with Ziad for another hour on this, truly. I hope you could feel the raw energy in his voice and that you hit him up if your business needs to talk to Gen Z and not just about them. Thanks, Ziad, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Again, I'll read those reviews at the top of the show. And you can also find me elsewhere, LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue, also Adam Connor. I'm there personally. Twitter at Authentic Av. And here's a Gen Z side for you. I'm on TikTok also at Authentic Adam. Got about 10,000 followers there doing some interesting things. And of course, if you want to just go by email, that's okay too. Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Say hello, recommend a guest, or just tell me what you're thinking so far. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.